podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Um, before we jump in and um, talk about uh, the topic today, I'll get it out. Um, I'm not. I'm leaving that in. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shoe machine on the market, bar none. Uh, they are awesome. They rock. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. We have uh, a special quote unquote special going on right now where we're giving quarterly memberships. We're super excited about that. People seem excited about it. Um, and then that maybe, maybe come in and join for three months and take a couple months off. I personally would never leave teachhoops.com, but you have that option and uh, it's great. So go over and check it out. Teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Let's head off to the podcast. And then we've kind of, we've kind of mixed both okay. of those. What kind of man, what kind of man do you play? I, I would I would categorize ours as more of a, a pressure man. Pressure man. Okay. I, I would say that has not been our strong suit. Um, I think we've been a much better team in zone than we have been in man, you know, and, and I, you know, that's something that I've investigated a lot of, you know, we play with a shot clock in Massachusetts. So um, this is another thing I've, I've run into as I've talked to more and more coaches across the country is, I'm always shocked at how many how many uh, states still don't have it, but it's a lot. It's a lot that don't have it. Um, Yeah, and and how you prepare matters. Like we don't have a shot clock. Most states don't have a shot clock. Um, I think Georgia just got it, but uh, you know, I there's probably it'd be interesting to know me man zones how that changes when the shot clock comes. That would be interesting. How many people start pressing when the shot clock comes? Um, How long is your shot clock? 30 seconds. Oh, shoot. I would 2-2-1 two, two, the whole game. <laughs> I'd slow – I'd think, take 10 seconds off the clock every time. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, you know, that that I think is something to think about, right? Like right. I had talked earlier, like I would prefer on the offensive end for us to play a little faster and just, you know, just to get out in the open and, and, and rather than play five on five every single possession. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to make you waste 10 to 12 seconds of the 30-second shot clock in high school. Right, now you're down right. to 18 – now I got to play defense until you get down to this five or six mark, and then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do something. Um, yeah, and that and that's the thing, right? Like if you play zone, though, it's gonna slow the game down. And we've found that like it slowed down the game a good two to three possessions a game by going to the zone versus versus us being in in man. But you know, if we can turn the other team over and make up a couple of those extra possessions than what we're getting in the man, I feel like we can make it up. And right. like you, what you've already said is, is our approach too. like, we want to try to make them kill eight to 10 seconds before they're even in their half court. So right. And so, so th- I'm not pro or anti shot clock, but that is one of the reasons I don't think it should be in the high school because that's forcing everyone into the same box a little bit. Um, at least the people that are good at a- adjusting. I think what makes high school unique is if there isn't one, you and I can, I can go fast. You can go slow. We got to, it, it, I think there's more of a chess match when there isn't a shot clock. That's just my um, observation. Um, yeah. 30 is fast. I, 30 might be the fastest. And I don't think anybody's less than 30. 
No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. Are. No, I, mean, I, mean, I think most are 35. I've never, I've never coached without it. So I don't even know the difference. You know, I've never experienced anything other than that. We've, we've had it in Massachusetts since 1999, I believe. So, wow. Wow. You know, I, I've never coached anything other than that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You know, I mean, I would say what we see is I, I would, it, from year to year, it kind of depends. I mean, two seasons ago, uh, out of 19 games, we only saw three zones, I think, the whole year. And this past season, I think it was about um, split right down the middle. So, you know, it's – I think we see more zone than most teams see in non-shot clock uh, states. Yeah, my guess is – well, and I'm from Wisconsin where, you know, Bo Ryan and the, and the Bennett's are from. So – there's pack line up to Gazoo here, you know. <laughs> everyone, everyone can play man in Wisconsin. Trust me, like no tomorrow. If you saw Virginia play, that's you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> Both Bennett's are from. I mean, yeah. It's it's that's yeah. All right. Good. Let's do the wrap up. That's perfect. Yeah. So you know, I, I do. These are just sort of some random thoughts, and this is some of this is probably already like a little repetitive from what we've said, but I do think. Like if we went back to my like practice guide idea, you know, yep. one of the things is like, I wanted to keep drills simple. You know, I prefer like the three on three sessions or, or, or like our four on four cutthroat sessions and, you know, drills that aren't just sort of intricate. I mean, I think most coaches, you know, over the course of your career, and we've probably done them ourselves, done drills where players like, you know, just give you that look like, what are you talking about? And I think that's a good indicator that like, this drill is adding layers that it doesn't need. And, you know, so I think keeping your drills simple and having a clear goal within the drill, like a clear teaching point in mind, I think is, is important. Um, you know, if there isn't, if we don't know what the clear teaching point is, I mean, that's just the drill I'm going to ditch and, right. and not include in the practice guide. Um, you know, trimming down your, your, your drills. I think, you know, I think that is a, something I've really tried to do is, and look, at if we don't use it, why bother putting it on this giant sheet that, that we have, you know? I don't want my practice sheet to look like um, I'm, co- you know, like I'm the offensive coordinator for the Eagles or something. And right. 700 pages. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I want this to be simple and to trim down the, only to the things that I, that, you know, are really, really like going to define our style. You know, and I, I mentioned this already, so I won't be repetitive, but like don't ignore certain phases of the game. And, and we kind of touched on this early on. You asked about defense going last all the time. We've got, I've got to be cognizant of making sure that, all right, you know, we're going to get right into the half court D or let's do transition D and half court D at the start and, and throw the other stuff to the end. I think that's something that you have to be cognizant of. I think I have probably done that a little bit in the past. So something I, I would recommend. And, uh, you know, I think this is just best practice, right? Is, get as many people engaged in whatever drill you're doing as possible. You know, even if it's one-on-one, let, let do, you know, do one-on-one and four hoops um, rather than at two ends. You know, one drill I had in mind that I would do a lot early on is we would play one-on-one all around the key, right? So from the, you know, let's say I get everyone matched up and we play one-on-one from like the corner, then the wing, then the top, then, right. you know, like it's like three minutes between each rep for the players. And I just think there's got to be a better way to do, to do that and keep people engaged in what you're doing. You know, um, you know, even if it's like, Hey, let, let's shorten our practice, but let's get more people involved in what we're doing and heighten like 
the, uh, the energy in the gym and the engagement in the practice and then lessen the time we're in the gym. So hey, that I was, that. that was sort of my last. Little yeah, that's perfect. And, and I'll, I'll, uh, at the bottom, I'll, I'll put your email website, Twitter thing all in the bottom of the, of the, of the podcast too. So they, awesome. they can find all that and find your newsletter and all those great things. Um, one question for me, if you could only do three things at, at practice, that's the last screen, right coach? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, if you could only do three things at practice, what would they be? If we could only do three things. Yeah. I, I think we would, I think we would, we'd, we'd work on shooting and that okay. kind of shooting and we would work on, we'd play four on four. And we'd use cutthroat as our four on four. And, um, and, and I would probably do uh, a transition drill that we work on uh, this five on three. We just call it five on three touch. So basically, you know, I'd throw it to a player. I'd yell two numbers. Those two numbers got to touch the baseline and trail the play. So we're sort of playing five on three. And those usually give us good moments to work on what we call flow. So like, we probably won't get a transition score, but we have to now kind of fl flow into our half court offense. Right. I mean, right. we don't, we, you know, maybe other coaches approaches are different, right. Get it to the point guard, pull it out, set up. On. We just want to be able to get into our spacing and then flow, get it to the top, get it to the slot, change it. And then we're in strong. And like, you know, I think those three elements, I think would accomplish a lot of our goals, get our shooting in, work on our half court, O or D in that combo fashion, and then get our transition game down with something like that. I think we could get a lot of things done with, with those three. When do you normally practice? We practice late. We write, you know, uh, most nights were either six to eight or where some nights this year we had to go seven to nine. I mean, I got, I got four kids and okay. we got one gym and uh, I got to pick up the kids after school. So usually we got to squeeze in the girls team, the girls JV team, my JV team. And then the, and there's the one, and there's one court. That's it. And we got okay. one court and all four teams got to use it from two o'clock to whenever. So, you know, we, we are pretty good about, um, you know, if we got to overlap with our JV group, I obviously don't want to be in, I don't want to be in the gym all the way till nine. Like we've got to be in school the next day. They do. We, I do. So, you know, I, I would, I, I would usually try to overlap, but yeah, we go late. Okay. Um, what's your biggest challenge as a coach? The challenge would be not getting caught up in wins and losses. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I really think getting caught up in the wins and losses can take the joy out of coaching. And I think if you really got down to it, you know, I like, we're talking about practice planning and like, this is what I love to do. Like you get right. in the gym and you see players get better or, or like, you know, you see players like, execute some concept that you are like have been working on for so long and like that is what uh, I think really brings co most coaches joy and I think the game sometimes can really uh, take away from that it can because I mean, uh, you're because ju you're judged you're judged in in public and you're oh, judged yeah. on whether you win or lose to be honest with you yeah uh, <laughs> my brother told me my brother one of my friends told me after like after, after I won my first state title and then I didn't win it the next year, he goes, if you're only going to be happy, if you win your last game, you're not going to be a very happy person, Steve. And I was, you know, my 30s and I didn't know. And it's like, now I look back and it's like, well, that's true. It's like, I, I think age helps with that a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, it's like if you if if it's only the wins and losses, you're in the wrong profession, to be honest with you. Uh, in the long haul, uh, it's gonna <laughs> it it will it will it will kill you. Um, what's your strength and what's your weakness as a coach? Uh, I, as a strength, I feel like um, I feel like I do a good job of finding ways to like you know finding ways to pick our guys back up. And I feel okay. like I, that was what I always enjoyed about. The coaches that, um, you know, I had, I got, a, you know, just like a couple guys in mind right away that I had as a younger player. And, you know, the one thing they always made sure they did was to come back around at some point and reconnect with right. you. And I think, I think I do a decent job of that. At least I, I think most players would, would say that I, I do, even if it's like the start of practice, you know, let's say you really had to get after a guy in the game for something and you make sure that, you know, you can reconnect with them at practice the next day. You know, I feel right. like that's something that is, um, you know, I think that's something that is a strength. Uh, you know, a weakness, um, I, I, would, I would probably say, like, uh, I think I've, I've got it now. Like, what I really, truly, like, want to teach and, like, how I prefer to teach. But I think that that was something that I struggled with. Was it's easy for people to say, like, you know, what's your identity? Maybe some coaches have, the, have a great path and they know it right away, right? Like, that they know this is the way I would. But I don't think that's always true for every no. coach. I think. I probably had to do a little bit of that myself, right? Just, just finding out what that identity is and then sticking to that. Yeah. Like, you know, I think, uh, I think being that's true, something. Being, being true to yourself is the thing. Yeah. I had a hard time delegating in my younger days. I would agree. But I, wanted to st- but I wanted to stay married, so I eventually figured out how to do it. <laughs> add, that, add delegation to my list. I'm terrible with that. Oh, yeah. It's like, because I, I – not the, and the thing is now I'm perfect. Now I bet I talk. I, th- I bet out of a practice, I bet I talk thirty percent of the time. Maybe I talk thirty percent of the time because I have I have a staff now that I that I trust that they know what we need to do. It's perfect. I mean, but it takes time to build that. It's like build. It's it's building your team. Like to be honest with you, it's like you run a business. You got to build your team. It's the exact same thing when you're when you have a staff. When you find the staff, ooh, it's like a, ooh, it's good. It allows you to keep coaching, to be honest with you. If you could talk to one coach, who would it be? Any sport. In any, why? Any, any sport. I mean, I, I really always uh, – I really enjoy listening to um, Jay Wright speak. I just – He's good. I really like his philosophy on um, – just his philosophy on keeping things simple – you know, focusing on the skill development aspect of the game. Like, obviously, he is able to recruit the type of talent that <laughs> it's how he prefers to play. You know, I, I understand that uh, is is different. But I just think that he, I think, uh, seems to have arrived at, like, the perfect place where he knows what he wants to teach. And he, he his teams execute that now. And, and you can see it over years. Right. I think – He's a he's a great example of that. Yeah, so going into that, what do you think the hardest concept to teach is? I've just always I've just always thought uh, I think two one thing I got one on D and one on O. First of all, offense. I think teaching kids to use screens is something that is really hard. I think it's uh, horrible. They're horrible at it, and 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 all they watch on YouTube is like one on one screen, and that's all they watch, and they still can't read screens. I know. And I, I think it's it's not – I guess it's not an easy skill either. You know, I think uh, a lot of kids get, like, sort of just 
a blinders on to the ball, like cut to the ball. And um, as opposed yeah. to sort of reading how their guy is playing them, I think that is a skill that takes a lot of time. And I really would prefer to, to use screens within our, our – you know, our offense, but it is something that is uh, tough to do. Well, and, the, and it, then, it's, a, it's a basic concept of use the screen or reject, reject the screen. They don't, I mean, I've had some unbelievably great players and I've had to teach them, well, don't use it, go at it like you're going and then reject it and go the other way. No one's going to expect no one. I mean, when you watch high school games, how many kids reject the screens? Like, you know, they'll fake like they're going and they'll reject it and go the other way. I mean, it's like it, that's something I charted. It was like ten percent of the time they reject it, and it's like no one's, everyone's expecting to hedge or fight or, or do whatever they're going to do. Well, go like you're going, and then reject it. Go the. I mean, it's so many little nuances to that too. Um, you know, just like one thing I see a lot on our film is, even though let's say we get, actually get a great shot out of it, but just not closing the space between you and your defender before you make the cut. I mean, it's almost like. Maybe I think to kids who don't have a lot of experience, it's like it, it, it's against – it seems like it's uh, counterintuitive, right? Like, it is. I want to get away from this guy. I don't want to go towards him. And I think that is that concept is – And why do you think – why don't you think they're good at it? I have a theory on it. Well, I, I know they haven't worked on it. I mean, I and know well, that they, well, why do you think our generation was better at it than their generation? Uh, I well, I mean, I always it's hard to say answer those like specifically, but I I honestly just think that screening was a bigger part of the previous generation's uh, knowledge base. Well, and, and I can I can watch pickup games with our guys, and I watch pick, and I know when I played pickup games, there was a lot more screening when we played. Like yeah. in pickup games and conceptually, then there now there's lots of ball screen sets, um, but there's not there's the other screening. I mean, maybe it's because that generation was more like swing flex. There was more structure, those kind of things, maybe. Um, but I just don't think the reads were the same. And, and you know, I'm, this is kind of cheating, but I do think another thing. It just this is maybe too broad, but just like on ball defense. I just, man, if you have a, a player that really struggles with anticipating and just knowing, I think trying to teach a, a poor defender in the time, small time frame you have to be a good on-ball defender, I just, it's really difficult. And I understand like getting good at anything is not easy, but I've just found that in the time frame we have in, in our season in Massachusetts, Getting somebody who's a poor defender to like make the leap is a really difficult task. And right, and it, and the thing is, you can be horizontal. You can be challenged horizontally and maybe not be as quick. But if you get your footwork down, you can make up a lot of. You can't make up all of it. Um, and the and and a, and a huge difference between like a D three player and a D two or D two and D one is whether they can defend the ball. But you can close that with footwork. You can close that with anticipation. You can yeah. close those things down, um, which I think is, I, I agree, is a, such a hard concept to teach because it's such a minuscule, you know, footwork, anticipation, all of those things. I, I agree. Um, is there one thing that you would change about the game? I, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, you know, I, one thing I just really despise is just, charge the way that 
charges are called at the high school game. I just, it really just drives me crazy. It's a coin toss. It's a coin toss. I I know that it's, I just, if I, if I, this is probably not a popular choice and all the defensive minded people listening here are probably (laughs) going to tune out right now, but I just, I hate the idea of uh, off the ball charges. I just, I don't know. I just have always see. I don't seem. Yeah. I I just always, I hate the idea of. Do you see many off the ball charges? I can't even think of one called this year that I saw. Sort of what what I'm saying is like, I I would rather like a good defender. I'm guarding you. You try to run through me. All right. That's that. It rewards good defense. I just, I hate the idea of an offensive player blowing by his man. And then someone just, runs in his way and stands there and that's reward. I like I've okay. never understood why that is a huge I've never understood why that was something we should reward. I just I don't know. I know I'm probably in a minority with that, but <laughs> well here's the issue I have too. It's a it's a coin toss. These are these guys are the, the, the women and men that are officiating the games have day jobs. They're like accountants or they're like, you know, businessmen and then they come and try to do it. Um that's the crazy part and it's like it's a guess. It's literally a guess half the time. Yeah, I just. Um, I know. I know. I mean, and I work on it. I work on taking them because, you know, there's, there's, there's times where I'll have people that won't take, I won't let them try to take them because they're, they're too valuable to have on the court. Um, all right. So here's what we're going to do, coach. We're going to do rapid fire, which I'm going to ask you a quick question. And then you're going to give me, you know, the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Um, what's your favorite brand type of basketball? Uh, we used, um, we used these baited balls. This and you year. like those? I, I love them. I, I thought they were way better than the, uh, I want to say we usually have a, a Spalding like 1000s. TF 1000. Yeah. That's what um, our state uses. And, uh, we, we bought these, these baiting ones that were really nice. And I, if I had to keep those, I'd keep them. Okay. Um, one word to describe your ideal player. Just it is versatile. Somebody who can do a little bit of everything. I'm telling you, if I was starting a high school team, boys team, I would take five guys, all six two, six three, athletic and versatile. I'm telling you, I, I, I'll beat you every time if you give me five of those. I don't need a center. I don't need a point. I just need ver- yes. I need guys that can do a little bit of everything, and then I'll find their strengths and weaknesses and hide their weaknesses and accentuate their but if I'm long like that, ooh, I love I love versatile. I do love versatile. Um, if you go one sporting event in the world, what would it be and why? I would love to see a a, a Celtics NBA Finals game. Um, you know, I think just the atmosphere indoors is 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 uh, is amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I've been to football games and uh, I feel like you know because those games are at home, they're not on neutral sites, you know, and obviously whatever your home team is, I just feel like, you know, getting to like a game seven or getting to like an elimination game would be amazing. I love, I love, I love Steven. I think he's a great coach. Great coach. I hope the Boston keeps him forever. I love him. He's a great coach. I think, um, I, I think the Bucks are better than you guys right now, but <laughs> I also think we have one of the best players in the world on our team. Um, I think Giannis at his age, I think they could win it if they go back. I think they could, they got a shot. I think um, we'll see. Uh, favorite pregame meal? 
I, I mean, I, I don't even have anything. I got nothing for you. I never eat before the games. I hate eating before the games. Um, okay. Do you have a favorite post-game meal? <laughs> I mean, this would imply that there's a meal waiting for I don't... After, the, after those games. and, and uh, Maybe it's a McDonald's <laughs> number three or something. I don't know. Okay. Sadly, that's usually what happens. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, I know it's like this, this, this quarantine thing has not been good for me. I've been trying to work it off. Um, one skill not being taught in today's game. If we're talking about high school here. Yep. Yeah. If, if we're talking about high school, I, I really just think that uh, it would be between finishing or screening and cutting, like off ball screening and cutting. I think uh, even most of the off ball stuff we see is not read based. It's, it's predetermined, you okay. know, whether it's like a flex cut uh, yeah. or something like that, you know? So I think those are, it'd probably be a tie between those two. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know what other guys are doing in their practice. I, I, I think I per my list is the mid range jump shots not being taught. Oh I, yeah. I would imagine. And, and you know what? I, so this is for someone who thinks like, I think, I think there's something that can be exploited there because I think there's openings in that now. So here's my theory. I understand. I'm a stats teacher. So get me, I get, I get the whole statistical thing about the three. And I get about the whole, you know, shooting layups at the rim and getting free throws. But I think way offenses are – defenses are going to adjust to the game that it is becoming, which is threes and attacking the rim. So that means you got to be one step ahead of the defenses, which I mean I think that 10 to 12-footer needs to become like a layup. Like kids need to be able to just hit that because it's open. If you go back and watch your film, it's open right? People are giving you those shots. Um, so if you can all of a sudden clip those things at 55, 60% cause they're open. Now it's not, now I think that's, that's a change a little bit. It's just something to think about, but um, I'm always trying to stay one step ahead of the game and the game right now is threes and attack the rim. You know, I, I, I would agree. And, and you know, I, to, to some extent, like I, I, I also deter us from taking mid range, you know, but I've had a couple kids over the last few years that were really good. And, and, you know, if, we, if you're talking like points per shot, we're, we're, we're actually, I have one of my best player is really good at it. You know, I would prefer him to go all the way to the rim, but, you know, I think one to get what you said, you know, if you look at the huddle stats from your game or whatever film you got, you know, you guys use, you know, I, the, what are the what is the edge? I think people are moving closer to that standard. Like the number of threes per game are not drastically different from one team to the next as you look at the the stats that are available to you. But yeah, I think there's something to be said there. Like at what point does that just become like there is no edge in that because everyone is doing that. Right, right. And then I don't know. I I, I haven't dived. I haven't dove into it enough to get. But I, I'm just thinking. I just I'm seeing this huge wave right now, and it's like there's people are going to counter this wave. I'm not sure what it's going to be. Maybe they're going to move the high school line back. I don't know. Um, something's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. Uh, one thing you do to relax. Read. I mean, uh, I will say I got four kids under nine, so how do you uh, how relaxing do you, is not is not a, is not a how do you find time to read? I you know I um, I, I try to do it once bedtime's over and okay 
once they're down and, and try to find that time. I mean, ideally I'd love to do something like that in the morning and, and then use the rest of the day to do whatever, but you know, that, that, that would, that would probably be it. I mean, um, you know, I've been, at least in this quarantine, really been trying to, to do a bit of running and we got the, you know, we moved the treadmill in the garage. So we've been kind of taking turns running out there. And I think just, uh, doing some books on tape on audible. Audible's a great, I'm telling you, I don't, re I fall, start falling asleep when I'm reading. You can tell in my library, I love reading, but the problem is I start reading, especially if it's at night and I'll start dozing. But if I'm doing something and I'm listening to it, I can, it's like walking the dogs or jogging or doing something like that. I love audible. I think you're great. Um, best basketball player of all time. I mean, I, I refuse, I refuse to get in this discussion on Twitter, but I, I mean, I just don't see how anyone can have a resume that matches Jordan's. I just don't understand it. You know, I guess I get it from people who were, you know, in the, let's say 10, 15 years younger. So they're in the LeBron and, and Kobe stage. I just don't understand how anyone can match it, a resume. That well, first like of all, he never lost a game. He never played in a game seven, I think. And he never no, lost. Not a and, he, and he never oh, lost the finals. Um. He'd have won. Yeah. He'd have won more than six if he hadn't gone and played baseball. Like, I don't know. I agree. I mean, it's, we're sounding like old farts, but that's that's not my. Uh, I'm not. I can't get involved. In I'll get. I get. It. I I agree. Michael. Michael gets from you. You're probably the hundredth coach I've asked the question. Michael's gotten like ninety-seven percent. Now, older generation, I get, but um, I I agree. Um, uh, one thing that helped you become a better coach. Um, I think, man, there's a lot of things I, that sort of like flood to mind, but just keeping things more simple, like learning to just simplify what I was trying to do, um, both at, in practices and in games. Uh, I really just, you know, I can think of like a moment in my career, like around like year eight, where I just like, I couldn't deal with the play calling calling games like I'm a football coach. I just can't do it. And it's not enjoyable. I, I hated it. And I think when I, you know, tried to embrace more of like a conceptual style of play, even if it's something like motion based or dribble drive based, like, you know, that has been, I think, uh, a, something that's made the game more enjoyable for me. Um, best game you've seen in person. Yeah, I don't, I don't get to enough, um, enough games in person uh but uh, i did get to like years ago uh celtics playoff game against the nets uh, back in the early 2000s um sort of before the big three era uh that was that, that was that was pretty exciting back in the i was a younger man back then so right. uh, <laughs> that was a problem, but I, I gotta i gotta get out more for the yeah, i know yeah that's okay um favorite quote uh yeah, I I had um, you know, this is this is sort of a tough one. Let me let me just find it so that I'm not misreading it. Okay. Um, but this is a, a quote from uh, Greg McCune, who writes this book, uh, Essentialism. He's actually got a, a podcast out now, and uh, just a lot of talk about keeping it simple. And the quote I really love is, "If it isn't a clear yes, then it's a clear no." And I just really feel like you can apply that to anything. And I think we're in the day and age, right, where especially from March to right now, I mean, if you could find 
as much basketball knowledge that you could ever use in, in an entire lifetime. Too much. And I think you have too to much. Ask, too much. Yeah. <laughs> at some point you have to ask, like, is this something I am going to do? And if it's not like a clear, yes, we're doing this, then I think at some point you got to just delete it or slide it out. And I think that's a great way to like, uh, that's a quote I really like. I wish I'd have had that quote uh, a month ago when my son was trying to figure out if he wanted, he's going to be a freshman in college and he was trying to figure out, should I go or should I take a gap year? And if it is, and it, and it was like, he was going back and forth. And if it wasn't a clear, yes, it's a, no, it's a clear, no. He eventually came to that conclusion. Like, I just don't know what this year is going to look like. So I'm not, I'm going to wait a year and see what fits better. Um, so yeah. So I love that. That's a great quote. Um, uh, one word to describe your coaching style. Uh, I, I, I feel like I am like player friendly. You know, I, I, I've just felt like I tried to be someone that, that they can talk to and try to be someone that they, uh, that, that listen, if they have a suggestion that needs, you know, that they see that maybe I don't see, or, um, you know, I think I've tried to be like that kind of a coach, um, you know, open-minded would maybe be another one. I think too, I think I'm someone who is really willing to like be, critical and really look back at what I've done and, and say if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm going to admit that I'm wrong and, and, and try to fix up whatever I'm doing. So I think those two things I think would be, would be good descriptors. Okay. Um, best basketball coach of all time. Yeah. All of all time. Huh? Uh, I would probably, um, I mean, I, I, I guess it's, it's hard to argue. I'm, I'm not going to get caught up in the, in the Phil Jackson, uh, last dance. I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore Phil here, and it's tough to say as a as a Massachusetts Celtics person. It's tough to ignore Red Auerbach from a GM coach. Yep. Philosophical. Uh, I think stance. Bill Russell. I think Bill Russell's in the discussion of the best one of the best players of all time. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, man. There are a lot of ways you could you could go with that one, but yeah. I mean, he, he is someone that yeah. I gotta give my region. Yeah, I, I I give you give your region. That's good. Um, if you could only recommend one book, what would it be? Yeah, because uh, you listed three. You listed three on the questionnaire. You get one. I did, and and I, I would one book I really love is um that I read uh, this past year is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Love that book. Love that book. You know, and I think even even before I read the book, I mean, I've been reading his articles on uh, online for years. So I just think anything that you can take and apply it to coaching, teaching in the classroom, or you know, even parenting for you know to some extent, I think is uh, is is a great is is a great book to like invest in, right? right. I, and basically his premise is to change a habit, you have to do a little change at a time. You can't do, it's like, it's a little change basically. If you Yeah. You know, we were just talking about this tonight. We, you know, we've been like trying to run every day and, and, and get some time in. So we had to move the, uh, the treadmill from the basement into the garage and like that small little change right now is right next to the kitchen. All I got to do is walk out of the room and I'm in there as opposed right. to having to go down into the basement and, you right. know, like removing the little barriers. Uh, I think that was a good example from his book, you know, that he, he suggested. So yeah, it's just a small change can do it. So give the other two. You, yeah, you talked about one of them already. 
That's your answer. I'll, I'll take that as your answer. But what were the other two books? Yeah. I mean, essentialism is a great one. I yep. mean, that one, um, uh, recommended, uh, radius athletics is, uh, you know, guy out on Twitter, um, that is, you know, he's have worked with for, for a few years and, uh, he recommended that book and it's amazing. Like just, you know, a way to like, look at every part of your life. And I, I took a lot of coaching takeaways, like just simplifying it, you know, if, do we need all these things that we have, whether it's drills or plays or, you know, uh, just all sorts of like unnecessary things. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a great book to like reread. I've read it a couple of times and, you know, pulled stuff out that I really like. Right. And, uh, yeah. Another one I read too was um, Good to Great. So it was a, it's a business book, you know, about 15 businesses that made the jump from good to great. And, uh, you know, what? what they, the book tried to pull out were like a few things, like what were the commonalities that made these companies great? And I, I actually thought there were some great basketball takeaways. You know, one of the things they would, they talked about was leadership, you know, being the kind of leader that would, uh, you know, that would, um, you know, would make choices with the big picture in mind and a lot of details in there. I don't want right. you know, to, but you know, the hedgehog concept was a big piece of this, right? This idea that, you know, you, know, you, you, you put all your eggs into this one basket and become great at this one aspect, right? And as opposed to like trying to do all these different things and not being great at any of them, right? I think you had kind of alluded to something like that earlier. Right. So yeah, those, those are three that I've read in like the last couple of years that I just, you know, I keep, I always think of when I see little things in, in on Twitter or see them, conversation you know i always kind of draw back to them that's great so last the last question i always ask is what would you tell your younger self yeah i think a lot of what we had a lot of what we had talked about earlier is um what i would tell a younger self would, would be like to put a lot of thought i think if i so if i was back as me as a jv coach i would be thinking more about what is the kind of what do I, how do I want to play? Like, how do I truly want, you know, I'd worked for a couple of different head coaches who each had different styles. Right. You know, I coached football for six years and got a chance to work under two other guys. And they, they all kind of had their, their, um, you know, different lessons that I learned from all of them. But I think should have spent more time figuring out what it is you want to do. Like ignore what you know, ignore, you know, sort of like maybe what, had been done previously like what do you want to do figure that out and then just and, and and go with it even if it isn't successful in the first year right in a couple of weeks i mean what if it's not successful like you got to keep investing in it and get better at that style of play so that would be the big one no i think that's great all right i will put i will make thank you coach i will make sure i put all your contact stuff down down below and and people will be able to get a get a hold of you so thank you i appreciate it all right coach thank Thanks. you so much for having me yep hey everybody hope you enjoyed that if you want to support us you want to help us get the lights on here at teachups.com go over join 14 day free trial and then stop the car subscribe like Apple five-star review, that would be good. All right, maybe. Have a good day. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.